0: Welcome to Before the Business, a podcast dedicated to telling the origin stories of entrepreneurs. My name is Craig Swiston. It wasn't that long ago, but there was a time when everything we owned was handcrafted. From clothes to tools, furniture to houses, it was all built by dedicated craftspeople to last a lifetime. Origin Handcrafted was founded by Mark Liss and Kayla Pendleton on two ideas. First, people should love the things they own. Second, the things they own should be built to last. Today on the podcast, we're delighted to welcome Mark Liss, co-founder of Origin Handcrafted of Balmoral, Manitoba. Hey Mark, thanks for doing this today. Let's jump right in. Tell us a little bit about Origin Handcrafted. Our
1: business is kind of a hard to describe one because on one hand, we make a lot of rings, like jewelry, men's wedding bands and things like that. So it'd be easy to say we're jewelers, but we also make a lot of knives. Those two things don't really go hand in hand. So I always just say I'm a ring maker and I'm a knife maker.
0: So is that kind of a yin yang type thing?
1: It kind of is actually, I think it's one thing I've learned over the years is it's good to have um, a little bit of diversity in what you make because markets can change pretty quickly. And uh, suddenly with the pandemic, all the weddings were getting canceled and we were happy to have uh, knives to fall back on too.
0: So when you started the business, did you start out as a jeweler making rings or as a knife maker making knives?
1: Started out with rings and that was, yeah, just a little over 10 years ago. And it started really simply, I've always had an affinity for wood carving and whittling and stuff when I'm at the lake and, or camping or something. And one year I decided to carve a ring out of wood and I didn't have very many tools at my disposal. And I was just kind of working out of my parents garage at the time. And, uh, I didn't have the nicest wood in the world world either, but I made a ring out of must've been pine and it was, it was not a good ring and it was weak and it was kind of lopsided but I just I fell in love with it like I fell in love with the process and making something that I you know that I got to wear and see every day and I just kept kept going from there.
0: So what was the origin behind the name Origin?
1: I don't know I think about that sometimes like in in some sense it, it seems like it just came to me one day and I thought oh that's kind of a cool name and I you know I saw I could picture it written in my head and I thought that that would be a cool name for a business, but also I think something resonated with me when I thought of it, because like a lot of the stuff that we do has history to it. A lot of the stuff that we make has a story to it. So for example, like incorporating um, old whiskey barrel oak into some of our rings. And I think that the name origin ties into that history and where things, where things come from.
0: So when you think about the history that you're imbuing into the objects you create, uh, is this something you intentionally seek out?
1: Um, I don't I don't get too specific on the the exact history of any one piece. Like, for, I think I just generally like to know that there is a story there um, and not knowing it completely, like not knowing exactly where the whiskey barrel was from, just having a maker's mark stamped on it from Jack Daniels or something, but not really knowing much more than that. That's enough for me. And that's enough to know that there's a story there. I do seek out things intentionally that have a history. And uh, for example, we make some knife racks out of barn wood with magnet uh, magnets embedded in them. And um, the barn wood is um, salvaged by a company here in Manitoba called Creekside Timber. And they, you know, I've asked for photos in the past of the specific barns that have been knocked down and their locations and things like that.
0: Is there a difference between your process when you're designing a ring and designing a knife?
1: Although they're quite different, the rings and the knives, um, there's a lot of overlap it was my familiarity with making the rings and laminating the wood together for the wooden rings that allowed me to move more easily into knife handles.
0: So this started out as a hobby, but one day you woke up and said, hey, I can make a business out of this. What was that day like?
1: It was sort of a gradual realization because, because yeah, it did, it did start out as a hobby and our friends started buying them actually. And, and we're like, oh, I guess, you know, that's cool. Like, you know, friends and family are buying these things from us and that was sort of exciting and it was sort of a dawning realization that you know there's money to be made here one thing led to another and we thought well maybe we'll open an etsy shop you know you open an etsy shop and you hope that you're going to make a couple sales uh, here and there and then you start to and you learn as you go and you make a little bit you you tweak how you do your photography you do you, you you know learn how to respond to emails and things like that quickly and I don't know that there was any one point where I suddenly realized like, oh yeah, now I can, I can do this. It was just sort of one thing led to another. And then it strikes me every once in a while, like, oh, I'm doing this. Like, this is, it's not something I sought out. I always kind of think of it, think of it as following a trail of bread crumbs, like one thing just led to another one idea, one opportunity presented itself at the right time. And I just kept sort of following it without really having a plan.
0: So how did this all start for you?
1: it's a common question I get, like, how did I get started? And why did I start doing this? And I mean, I I have a degree to be a teacher. And I I went through university to be a phys ed teacher, actually. And that's what I thought I was going to do, get, you know, get into that, get into university right out of high school, you kind of make up a job that you're like, I think, yeah, I guess that would be something I'd be interested in. And then I did five years of university to realize that I really didn't want to do that. One thing I learned early on in my life was and I mean, maybe it sounds a little cliche, but it's like, I could do whatever I wanted to do. I was always a drawer growing up. Like I drew, I drew in school on my notebooks, I drew, I was just constantly drawing. And, and one thing I realized when I was quite young was like the, the difference between the kids in my class that could draw and the kids in my class that couldn't draw were the ones that couldn't draw had stopped drawing. So I think I learned that lesson early. And, and in my, you know, in my early twenties, I applied that again to different things. Like I learned how to Ride a unicycle. I learned how to, um, I got really into drawing at that point. I I learned how to balance on something called a slack line, which is kind of like a tightrope. I just learned all these things on my own. And it it kept instilling me, instilling in me this lesson over and over again, which is essentially like, if you want to do something, just start doing it. And a lot of people would like to do a lot of different things, but they just never start.
0: How much of what you do is custom work versus maybe work to hold pieces in inventory?
1: It, it depends. We hold, we hold some knives in like inventory, but it's hard, to, it's hard to put the time into creating an inventory of rings because there's so many um, size variations. Every, essentially every piece is custom and I could make a hundred rings and uh, I might sit on 90 of them for five years before those sizes sell. And so we have to sort of, just by the nature of the rings and the sizing, we have to just make them as ordered. I actually was able to stop taking orders, custom orders for knives, which for knives, I've realized that I like to keep things sort of fresh and exciting for myself creatively. creatively. Knives, I like to to keep totally free for for me, especially kitchen knives. We, We do do some production um, pocket knives and things like that where we'll make the same thing every week but when it comes to kitchen knives I like to do something a little different every time and I think that helps me um, stay excited about the process.
0: For jewelry I understand that a custom piece is unique but what differentiates the knives that you're creating versus say the a high quality knife that somebody could buy at a kitchen supply store? I
1: think what sets us apart and, and why a certain type of person will go to handmade before a store-bought pot, a store mass-produced item is is the story it's the history of the product um, whether that's just the history of knowing that someone took these materials these new materials and made something for you and and the story is is simply that it's handmade and someone else you know had paid that attention to it and took the care and the time to make it for you um, but also the history inherent in the actual materials themselves. Like we, we, in addition to using whiskey barrels and things like that, we use, um, a lot of the blade steel we use for the knives comes from um, salvaged sawmill blades from the 1930s and 40s. A lot of those blades are still sitting around and um, they're not making them anymore, but when they were making them, they used great steel, really, really good high carbon blade steel. And so for us, it's fun to find things like that and incorporate that history into our knives. And, I, and then I think people connect with that. That's exciting for people. I don't exactly know why that's that's more exciting than buying something from the store, but I, I think it has something to do with, with the story of something.
0: So let's back up, walk me through the process of how do you turn a saw blade from the 1930s that was used on a farm into a kitchen knife, into something that people can use today?
1: Sure. Yeah, it, turning a saw blade into a kitchen knife is is certainly a process. The hardest thing to do is is just breaking it down into smaller pieces. Um, it's not the hardest thing to do, but it's it's the least enjoyable thing to do anyway because they're huge blades, and so just getting them into a vice, a big enough vice that will hold them while you're grinding at them with an angle grinder or something, is is a bit of a pain. And but recently we've started having them all um, plasma cut with essentially a, a torch that just cuts right through the steel like nothing. And we can get them cut into nice, even strips. And once you have a strip, like a little rectangle of metal, you can then put that into the forge and heat it up and hammer it into whatever shape you need. Then, I'm sorry, I know this is longer than a minute, but once I get talking about the process, it's kind of exciting. The, one of the things you have to do when you're making a good knife is you have to harden the steel. And so a saw blade will be sort of hard, but once you cut it with a torch and once you heat it, it loses a lot of that hardness. And so you have to, if you want a knife that's gonna stay sharp for a long time, you have to harden the steel again. And that is um, done by a process called quenching, where you heat the blade up to approximately 1500 degrees Fahrenheit, and then very quickly remove it from that heat and dunk it in um, a special type of oil that quickly cools it. And it has to cool in a certain amount of time um, in order to achieve the desired hardness. And at that point, the desired hardness is actually too hard. It's almost like glass. Like if you dropped it, the the, the steel would shatter. And so you then have to put it in the oven at 400 degrees for a couple hours. And that kind of walks the, the hardness back just enough that it's it sort of balances that happy medium between hard and soft. So it's stay sharp for a long time, but it's also not too brittle. And after that, grind it. And then uh, I attach the handle with it, which is a whole process in itself, but uh, maybe not quite as interesting as the metal part.
0: So now you've got this perfectly hardened blade. It's properly tempered, softened. How do you keep this thing sharp to use it on a daily basis?
1: Um, the best way to do it is actually what's um, le- it's called a strop, it, but it's essentially a, a strap of leather or a piece of leather glued to a piece of wood. If you, if you run your knife along um, a strop once or twice a week in just the right way, it sort of resets the edge. It doesn't really technically sharpen it. It it hones the edge. So it it realigns all the microscopic sort of teeth that make up the the edge of your knife. And that will, if you do that every week, that gets you, you know, you might not have to actually sharpen your knife for six months or a year, depending how much you use it. Um, And then when it comes time to, eventually you do have to actually sharpen it. And that I do on um, stones, diamond plated stones that you um, just wet with water. And then you just have to like hold the knife at a very precise angle and kind of become a bit of a robot with your body, just moving your arms the exact same way a bunch of times and eventually setting a new edge on on the steel.
0: So if people want to order a ring or a knife, what type of a lead time are you looking at?
1: One of the unfortunate drawbacks of making every, every ring custom is that we've got a typically at least a seven week turnaround time. Um, And sometimes when we get quite busy, it's it's as many as 12 weeks in the summer. Um, We always keep a little bit of room to prioritize certain orders as they come up because um, inevitably with weddings, someone forgets to order their ring and they email me and they say, I need a wedding ring um, in two weeks. Can you do this for me? And I like to have a little bit of room each week to, to make stuff like that work, but generally it takes a lot longer.
0: And what's the process for knives?
1: I don't do it every month, but um, every month that I'm able to, we offer a newsletter. And so I just I make what I'm excited to make that month, and it might be a kitchen knife, it might be a few sort of um, outdoor bushcraft type knives, and um, and I generally on on Instagram, I'll you know I'll try to take pictures of the process throughout, um, sharing the actual forging process and things like that, and then at the end of the month. Um, I send out the newsletter with everything that I've made that month, and and those the, it's nice because people can buy them and know that they're going to ship in uh, you know the next day kind of thing.
0: So, Mark, if people want more information or just want to follow you or subscribe to the newsletter, what do you recommend?
1: Sure, yeah. Our so our um, Instagram handle is origin underscore handcrafted. So O R I G I N underscore handcrafted. And um, our website's actually very similar. It's originhandcrafted.com.
0: Thanks, Mark. I look forward to seeing what you and Origin Handcrafted have in store for us in the future.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me. This is great.
0: If you like listening to the origin stories of entrepreneurs, please continue to rate, review, and share the podcast with your family and friends. For more origin stories, check out the full collection at beforethebusiness.com.